There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, our privilege today to be back again talking about a new commentary that's been released on the book of Zechariah. It's called Zechariah, The Lord Returns, part of a series of commentaries called the Reading the Bible Today series. The author is Michael Stead, Dr. Michael Stead, joining us again today because we want to explore what's in this book of Zechariah that is so important for us in understanding our faith, in what happened in the New Testament when Jesus came. And what will happen when Jesus comes again? Michael Stead, welcome back to 2020. Neil, it's great to be back. Well, Michael, when we look at this book of Zechariah, an important book in the Old Testament, uh, and the references there to Jesus, and one of those books of the Old Testament where the references to Jesus, even references that Jesus made to the book of Zechariah and references about Jesus in prophecy looking forward. This is really a book that has a big focus on Jesus. It is, and the interesting thing is that the book points to Jesus in two quite uh, distinct ways, and the, there are two halves to the book, and each half uh, points to Jesus in its own distinct way. The first half of the book, which is chapters 1 to 8, um, points to Jesus by way of typology. And what I mean by that is that uh, the Old Testament sets up uh, patterns and images uh, of, of how God deals with his people, and then we see those things fulfilled in Jesus. And so a lot of the Old Testament uh, establishes patterns of, of, of sacrifice, for example, uh, and then we understand what Jesus did as a sacrifice that fulfills that type. That's what typology is all about. Uh, Zechariah 1-8 uses uh, typology as, as a way of pointing us to Jesus. Uh, for example, we have a a, a high priest in, in uh, the third chapter uh, of Zechariah, and uh, this high priest is uh, one through whom God will remove the sin of a land in the, a single day. And in its first instance, it was probably thinking about what was going to happen when they rebuilt the temple and Joshua started offering sacrifices on the Day of Atonement and all of that. Uh, but of course, uh, that points us forward to what Jesus did when he offered the ultimate sacrifice for sin once for all. And unlike Joshua, who removed the sin once a day, uh, annually. Uh, Jesus did it once for all time. He genuinely did remove all sin of the land in a single day. Uh, in, in chapter 4, uh, the focus is on somebody who is a, a temple builder uh, and how building the temple of God enables God to dwell in the midst of his people. Uh, in a, in a typological way, that points us forward to Jesus, who is the ultimate temple builder. He is the ultimate dwelling place of God with his people. Uh, and so we understand uh, what God was doing in coming near to us in Jesus uh, through understanding this, this metaphor of, of temple building. So the first half of the book uh, points us to Jesus like that. He, he, Jesus is the, the sin uh, remover. He is the temple builder. He is the one who uh, ends the time of wrath on, on God's people and and. Uh, uh, all of those kind of images, they come all, all out of the, sec the first half of, of the book. 
Uh, now, before we get on to the second half, is there a sense here, when you look at an Old Testament book like the prophet Zechariah, and you see these typologies and this prophecy looking forward to the coming of the King, the Messiah, there is a certain sense, isn't there, that the authenticity of the whole Bible is enhanced when we start to understand what's the contents of this book of Zechariah? Absolutely. All of the things in the New Testament uh, that, that point back to the Old Testament, we, we see this unfolding plan that God uh, had in mind, or had in mind before the foundation of the world, but certainly had down on paper um, hundreds of years before Jesus came. It, it wasn't as though uh, God's plan was, was, was uh, evolving on the run. He announced it beforehand through through his servants, the prophets. And so when Jesus comes as a, as a confirmation of these things, we see the fulfillment of, of things that they um, and so that's what makes Zechariah so special. Know that uh, at least six centuries before Jesus, the prophet Zechariah was telling these things to his people, and then we see them coming true in history. That historical fulfilment is a real confirmation of, of God's plans and purposes. And you say there's like a demarcation down the middle. There's the first part of Zechariah, and then there's a second part, and they reveal Jesus in different ways. What's so different about the second part? Well, the first half of the book, it, 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 they're, they're, although they're addressed to the same kind of community, they're addressed at a slightly different point in time, and that makes all the difference. The first half of the book is is saying to the people who've come back from exile, uh, don't worry, you can trust God, he will deliver uh, on, on his promises. All those things that you lost when when Jerusalem was destroyed, when you lost a temple, when you lost a king, when you lost a, 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 a priesthood, uh, when the city was in ruins, all of those things, they're going to be restored. Um, but the, the, there are other things that God promised uh, that Zechariah 1-8 doesn't pick up. And the second half of the book is really to say, yes, those things that God promised about a new heavens and a new earth and a new covenant and, uh, and, and uh, a final return of the king, those things are still yet to come. And so the second half, whereas the first half of the book is, is encouraging that generation about the imminent fulfillment of, God's, uh, of some of God's promises, the second half of the book is preparing them uh, that it's going to be a while before we get to the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises. And what it does is it holds up this great vision of what God is going to do in the future. And of course, that vision that it's holding up is, is the vision of Jesus. And we get this uh, storyline that unfolds in the second half of the book that describes how God is going to bring his kingdom in. And it starts with a king coming to Jerusalem on a donkey in, in, in the first chapter, so in chapter 9 of the, the first chapter of the second half of the book, that is chapter 9. Uh, and then it finishes in chapter 14 uh, with God ruling as king over all the nations, the Lord himself uh, ruling over all, and Jerusalem itself having been transformed um, into such a holy place that even the commonplace items, the, the, the pots and in, in your kitchen and the bells on your horse, uh, all of those things are holy to the Lord. And so the second half of the book uh, is, is pointing to Jesus directly because it's holding up um, to, to, a, to a generation 600 years before Jesus uh, saying, uh, this is what God is going to do in the future. Hang on, uh, God is going to bring his kingdom in. And I guess it shows God wasn't taken by surprise either that Jesus would have a first coming and then there would be a period of time between that first coming and the second coming. And the second coming is is quite dramatic there in the last part of Zechariah. 
that, that's, that's exactly right. That there, it, it's anticipated that uh, there's going to be a Messiah who comes uh, to, to to the city of Jerusalem on a donkey in chapter nine. Uh, he's going to be rejected uh, by the, uh, the the leaders of Israel, rejected for thirty pieces of silver. That's what we get in chapters ten and eleven. In chapters twelve and thirteen, it describes what happens when this Messiah is uh, rejected. Uh, he he is pierced, uh, and the people uh, mourn as they look upon the one whom they have pierced, they realize that they're the ones who've actually caused, caused his death. But in his, uh, his piercing, uh, God opens up a fountain for the cleansing of sin. That's from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1. Uh, and because the Messiah has been killed, because he's been pierced, uh, there, there is a cleansing for the whole land and a restoration of all things. And so all of, all of that is really anticipating what's going to happen in the first coming of the Messiah. Uh, and then in the last chapter of the book, uh, after a gap, after a time, uh, we see a second uh, final coming where the Lord himself will come with all his holy ones. Uh, let me just bring you back to the importance of being able to access a commentary if you are picking up and reading a book of the Bible because uh, some of the things in there are tricky. Uh, having the commentary actually just helps you get the right context for when you are reading that particular portion of Scripture. And I guess your book uh, is written for people who are ordinary Christian believers who can pick this up and read. It's not just written for academics, uh, something that's easy to read. It's useful to have something like this on hand when you're actually doing your own personal study of particular books of the Bible. Yeah, that, that's what I had in mind as I was writing it. It certainly wasn't intended as a, as a book for academics. It was for people to have uh, on, on, beside them as they're doing their daily quiet time or as they, as they want to work through Zechariah for themselves. Um, the point is to try and help people make the connections uh, with other parts of the Bible to help explain some of the confusing bits in Zechariah. There are some uh, bits that uh, you do need to consult other parts of, of the Scriptures in order to understand um, what he's getting at when he starts talking about uh, shepherds, for example, in in chapter 11, you really have to understand what Jeremiah has said about the shepherds in order to understand that. When he starts talking about a, a waking a sword against uh, his king, you, you need to go back to Ezekiel 21. But these aren't connections that we would ordinarily make, and so the, the commentary is helpful for, uh, for helping us to make those connections and understanding that necessary background, and it, it brings so much more meaning and significance to what we read in, in Zechariah. And noting, too, at the end of each chapter, you've got a section there for study, discussion, and prayer so you're not just left alone with a, a book about a book of the bible but uh, there's also thought-provoking material in there as well dr michael stead is the author of this new commentary it's on the old testament book of zechariah now it's called zechariah the lord returns part of a new series of commentaries called the reading the bible today series you can get a hold of this commentary at the cepstore.com.au or all good christian books Stores. And Michael Stead, always good catching up. Thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Neil, thank you very much. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.